Tanya, I am having a bad journalism moment today. Oh, no. Or am I? Oh. Is it even journalism? Is there ethics in game journalism? And if so, am I ethical? No one knows. Here's what happened. I reached out to Grasshopper Manufacturer, their PR, and said, Hey, do you own this character that appeared in a trailer in your recent E3-esque event where you announced new things? And they said, we don't own that character. It may be a fake trailer, or it may be real. Who knows? So I posted that news, and then (laughs) immediately after, the official Twitter for Grasshopper in English said, that was a fake trailer. And I didn't update the story, because I don't even know if I can. Am I unethical? Am I a fool for believing that this trailer could have been real? Imagine you outed them, and they weren't ready for it yet, and it was part of a bigger plan. That they had in the boardroom? Yeah, sure. You're just picturing the the boardroom. The boardroom tension, the boardroom drama. Yeah, everybody from Grasshopper, you know all those people in their suits on the high floor. (laughs) It's so funny because No More Heroes 3 has a scene in the boardroom with all the suits on the high floor. Really? And then a character named Fu, who is the intergalactic king of sorts just kills them all he's a prince actually that was you that was you in this scenario i killed them all yeah i'm the foo yeah oh (laughs) i pity the foo (laughs) (laughs) so yeah these are the struggles i have i think i do a good journalism or good scoop and then the next day people are like your info is wrong even when i reach out to pr first you gave it your best shot man it doesn't mean that you're bad at your job and what if The thing about it, it's a fake trailer that they wanted us to think was real. So I posted a story saying, is it real? And then they were like, no, it's fake. And I was like, didn't you want to trick us? They were like, like, gotcha, Jonathan Holmes. (laughs) This was just, this one's just for you. I I guess so. Welcome, everyone, to another fine episode. The finest? Is this the finest episode? It's just fine. (laughs) (laughs) It may end up being the best. We haven't recorded it yet, so we don't know. Of talking to women about video games, the podcast. I'm here with Tanya. It's me. And I'm me, Jonathan. We're going to be talking about, is it worth it? What makes it worth it? How do you know it's really worth it? Yeah. Am I worth it? Is he worth it? Is she worth it? Because you're worth it. (laughs) How do you know if you're worth it? How do you know if it is worth it? What's the worth of it? How do you know? That's a really, like, when you're making a decision, you're like, is it worth it to move out, quit my job, get a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a a friend? Yeah. Is it even a friend worth it? Yeah. What's it worth to you? What are they going to do? Yeah. Is it worth leaving the house today? What does it cost? And what is the yeah. the return on investment, the ROI, is the business folks say. <laughs> We're going to find out what's worth it and what's not with two amazing guests. And their names rhyme. It's it's Lynn and Quinn. Isn't that nice? Oh, that's lovely. I know. Actually. I didn't plan that. It's just, it just was one of those beautiful moments that made it all worth it when I realized, oh, it's Lynn 
oh, oh, it's Quinn. And they went through amazing lengths to be on the show, both of them. Really? Yeah, they, you'll That's find fun. out when we when we talk to them. It's pretty pretty amazing. So, yeah, why not just kick it off with a guest? Instead of doing a preamble beyond this preamble that I've already ambled and mm. rambled on with, we'll just start it off and kick it over to Lynn. Do it, Lynn. I'm here with Lynn, a.k.a. Blippery, who is joining us from the majestic echoey halls of the local library. Is that right, Lynn? Uh, yes, although not my library. Um, I actually had to drive to a different town to get to a library because even though it's not 4th of July, it's the 3rd while we record that, most of the local libraries I could easily get to were closed for 4th of July. My goodness. And Lynn, what was the reason why you suddenly had to change plans and record this from a library that's not even here? <laughs> well, I am just sitting at home. I was just playing some Skullgirls and I suddenly lost power. And I was like, what the heck? The weather is nice. There's not even like a little bit of a breeze. Um, so I go upstairs because I hear commotion with other people in the house and I go outside and it turns out a semi truck has taken out an entire power line next to our house. So I don't have power. I have no idea when I'm going to get power back. So I decided that I'd go to the library to try to get this done. Amazing. On so many levels, a semi-truck trying to keep you from being on the show, you denied its attempt to defy you and yes. trucked out on your own to the local library. I said via Twitter DM, hey, if you want to reschedule, that's okay. You were like, I'm already on my way. <laughs> when, when I said it's not my local library, um, it was a 90-minute drive here. Lynn, I am so grateful for you. you. Nobody has ever worked harder to be on this show or any show ever. You you uh, get the, the Queen's Award for the ultimate podcasting guest. Thank you so much for being on the show. I That's did so a nice little. Of you, Jonathan. Oh, my pleasure. Looking into you a little bit, you are on TikTok with a vast array of, of content on there, a lot of it gaming related. Your most recent big hit, I think it got like a million views uh, on TikTok was SpongeBob related. Yes, that was um, that was one about SpongeBob. I just kind of made it on a whim. It, it took me like two minutes to make. And then I was like, yeah, you know, 500 people are gonna watch that. That's pretty standard. And last I checked, it has 1.3 million views. Incredible. It's very well done. Your genuine and emphatic expression of feeling around the body, how we're attached to a specific episode of SpongeBob and how you did the research to find its relationship to, uh, is it Junji or Gunji? How do you say his um, name? I, Junji? I, I hear most people say Junji. Uh, Junji. Junji Ito. Yes. Ito, a Japanese manga horror master. You found yes. amazing connections there. Tell me though, you've done so many TikTok videos. How does it feel to know that you have this little power over which ones will suddenly become like the one? Um, well, it's a little weird because like, 
it's really hard to tell which ones are going to blow up. Like sometimes I think that some are going to have traction and they don't really get any. And then I was like, I just kind of threw this one together, uh, didn't put a whole lot of effort into it compared to some of my other stuff. And that's the one that blew up. And I guess it's just kind of the nature of being on social media is mm. you can do your best, but you never know what's going to be the one that blows up. Absolutely. And what gave you the the urge and also the the confidence to start making videos because it can be tough to put yourself out there it was a large part in due to one of my best friends uh eric he's on tiktok as uber eric uh he started making videos and he had a lot of fun in them i would sometimes be in them and it just seemed really fun and i just thought i have a lot of ideas about games and media and i love to talk about it with my friends and i just thought you know what maybe some other people will like to hear them as well mm -hmm. that's the best way to approach it like you are yeah. friends with your audience even if you don't know them and that's part of the reason why i like your videos so much is you don't seem as though you're heavily polishing or producing them just enough to make it clear, concise, and fun to watch. So you did some editing in the SpongeBob one, certainly. It's amazing to hear you did it so quickly because you've got clear diction. There's no uhs and ums in there. And you've got the B-roll. You're showing some of the footage of the actual show. So it's very nicely done, but yep. it isn't as though you were trying to sound like a newscaster. You're very no. much being yourself. Yeah. Some of my um, more longer form content, like when I'm doing in-depth analysis or like reviews, um, I do put more effort into those. I do a fair bit of editing on those. Not a lot since I'm just doing this in my free time. It, mm -hmm. I, I don't get a cent from this and it's just something I like to do, but I do like to try to make them as professional as possible with mm -hmm. what I've got. Sure. Yeah, I appreciate that. And there's a, a fine line, though, at least for me anyway, having made videos for a while. If I do a video that's too produced, people don't see themselves in it anymore. They they mm -hmm. see someone, uh, this old expression I used to use is, when Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera first hit the scene, it was clear who was the better singer. Sorry, Britney. I know, I know people love Britney. Do you remember this? Were you like three when this happened? <laughs> I know I know those names. Well, that's, that's, that's about it. <laughs> so there were two blonde teen girls coming mm -hmm. out singing. And Christina Aguilera sings in a way that no one ever could. And Britney sings in a way that if you sing along and if you've got some range, you can do the exact same notes as her. Britney was much bigger star. You're more of a Britney type for me. You're you're polished and professional, but you're accessible. If you were doing like CGI explosions and triple quadruple cuts and crane shots and you you were on a set, like I was once on a set on the Destructoid show. It was a lot of fun, but it made me less relatable than someone who was just shooting in their living room. Those are the folks who have actually done well on YouTube and TikTok, people who are recording with professional cameras and on set and with a teleprompter, they, they don't usually do as well. Yeah, um, a lot of the stuff that I make, I, um, I root it deeply in my personal experience. Like a lot of the things I'm talking about are related to autism or 
uh, transness or various mental health things, which are things that all fit me. Like I'm autistic, I'm trans, I've got various mental illnesses. And I do like to try to ground that in my own experience. Mm -hmm. um, because I think that's really important is that one of the things I'm trying to do is I'm trying to reach other people like me and say mm. like, you know, these experiences are experiences other people have. Like I've had these experiences and I know that some of you have, and maybe you think you're the only one, but you're not the only one and how it gets portrayed in media. Um, mm -hmm. One of one of the favorite videos that I've done is on the game uh, Milk Inside a Bag of Milk, Inside a Bag of Milk, and also the sequel Milk Outside a Bag of Milk, Outside a Bag of Milk. And they're uh, short visual novels that focus on uh, trauma and mental illness and going so far as like psychosis and also uh, child abuse. Like they are really, really, really heavy games and mm -hmm. um, playing that and then thinking about like what it meant to me and then trying to like put that into words was such a big experience and it was really interesting making that one i kind of i i sometimes script my videos out and i had kind of scripted that one and as i was writing it i started to actually realize you know what i actually think it meant this mm. it meant something different than i had originally thought and the video ended up going in a very different direction mm -hmm. and i really like the result of that so um, that one's pinned on my TikTok. If you guys look me up, it's, I think, the second pinned video. Um, it would just mean the world to me if you were to watch that. I understand that it's a very heavy subject matter, so it's not going to be something that everybody is in the mood for. But um, if you've ever struggled with any of those issues that I listed off, I really think that that game will be a cathartic experience, not necessarily a good and fun one. And um, I would just really appreciate if people watched that one. So good. I have not played that game myself, but I did come across it in looking at what new games people were talking about. Some, geez, I think it was last year it came out. The The name is so memorable. Maybe it was um, think, a little longer ago. I think the second one did come out last year mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or like but, maybe early 2021. Yeah, that sounds about right. And people don't talk about these games as much as they used to on the major video game websites, or even on YouTube, there's a certain kind of indie game that has sort of a meme-friendly feel to it. Games mm -hmm. that are quirky and wacky and funny. And it's, again, not surprising that your most popular video in terms of views so far <laughs> has been one about noticing something insidious about spongebob it's something we can all relate to but you have these really astute interesting observations about it it's harder when you're wanting to help people get excited about something they're already not familiar with and mm -hmm. i'm so excited that you're willing to do it though because it is much more of an uphill battle to talk about games like the the game that you mentioned and also talking about being trans and being autistic it's it's all really uncharted territory for anyone to become like the next smosh or pewdiepie of trans autistic tiktokers <laughs> but i hope it happens if anyone deserves to suddenly begat millions of dollars from creating content i think it's people who are talking about genuine underdog experiences and taking joy in being who you are even when large swaths of 
the world are judging you. Yeah, it can it can be hard to, you know, keep a positive outlook given how grim a lot of things look. And um, this is actually kind of something that related to Milk Inside a Bag of Milk. Um, the games are very dark and have very, very grim endings. And initially you can kind of look at them and say like, well, there's no hope in there. Like it's just depressing and like why even bother trying? And the ending point that I tried to make with my video is like, if you sit with them, you can kind of see there's not a lot of hope, but there mm. is just that tiny little bit of hope in there. And like, it's worth going after, even if things are really, really dark and really, really hard. And mm. uh, that's a message that can be hard to remember. Um, it's hard for me to remember it when I get deep into my depression. So I, I really hope that like people can find that and maybe it can remind them if they're having trouble remembering it themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. I was just finishing up a article about this game, Lone Survivor, which talked about mental illness and depression, geez, over 10 years ago. So this was in a very different time when indie games felt newer and fresher and big blogs were willing to talk about them a little bit more. And the game ended up, I think, selling a million copies, which I don't think Milk Inside a Bag of Milk did, but I hope so. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we don't. And they don't release the numbers a lot of the time because if they do and the numbers aren't so great, sadly, people are less likely to buy a game if they heard yeah. it didn't sell well because they think, well, it must be bad then. But that's yeah. I, I usually do know that I do know that both games on Steam have um, very, very positive reviews. Oh, good. Uh, I, I think that uh, one of them has like a 96% positive rate. Uh, and I'm one of them because I, I really do want people to play it. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully this will help get the word out about it. But I really gonna, hope so. Yeah, me too. The endings for Lone Survivor, the one that the creator, some of the ones he likes the most, end in a way that seem bleak, but have a sliver of hope. And what he told me is he feels that's the most honest truth for people who haven't had their their day of emancipation or rescue from what they're suffering from. If you tell people who are suffering, well, here's our happy ending, they're going to say, well, that's great for the game character, but what about me? Whereas if you are left feeling like it's true that things are not easy and there is no end in sight to how it's going to be difficult, but there is the potential for this to finally get better. That's the kind of ending that he felt anyway was more honest for, and and hopefully more therapeutic for people who are suffering. Lone Survivor, I'm going to have to check that out because um, that is very, it sounds very similar. Like um, the protagonist of Milk Inside a Bag of Milk is a young girl who's been suffering through so much. She has periods of psychosis. She's being abused. And, you know, the games just kind of end with that goes on. Like she's still mm -hmm. in an abusive household. She's still suffering. But it, it, it's really honest to say that, like, there isn't a way for you, the player, to just be able to fix all of that. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the the ending message I kind of try to leave people with is that because you, the player, have such limited control, you can't fix all of the things that would need to be fixed to 
get her into a better place like you would need to either get her into a better household or try to get her mother to like see her as something other than a burden you'd need to like get her some proper medical care rather than just medication which is all she seems to be getting and mm. you can't do those things within the confines of the game but those are things that can be done in the real world but they're going to take a really really big amount of effort to get done mm. but it's worth trying to do and that's the message i i tried to leave people with so interesting and it might help people have that eureka moment after playing the game that in the game you can't find those interventions and solutions but in real life maybe you can and it's amazing mm -hmm. to hear you had like a eureka moment while you were making the video and went off script to do something that ended up coming to you in that moment of inspiration it's 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 so fun and i wanted to pivot to talk about inspiration and also taking control over things. I hope, I'm guessing a little bit, so I apologize in advance if I'm guessing wrong, but I'm hoping and guessing that your journey in gender and transitioning or, or transness has been empowering for you in some way. I wanted to hear more about where you got your name and how that has made you feel moving forward it has been a quite a journey of um first realizing that i was trans um and i don't i i hope that uh, your good friend uh, james stephanie sterling listens to these podcasts but uh if they don't hear this episode i, I hope that you let them know that like their journey into being trans femme non-binary kind of helped uh, spark a little curiosity in myself. And I think that helped like give me a push in the right direction. Oh, um, that's great. But I also, it was just a really hard thing to figure out. Like there's no rule book. There's no like guides on like how to figure this kind of stuff out. And you get a lot of conflicting messages from all sorts of people who want you to be one way. And the real answer is that like there's no correct way to do anything and that's kind of like the least helpful answer because <laughs> that just kind of means like you're on your own to figure out what's what's really going on with you because there isn't a correct way to be um, but going on that journey myself has really helped me really helped me just feel a lot more happy and a lot more joy and that really has helped me feel more joy about the things that I love, which mm. uh, I love video games. And it really has just helped me appreciate them on a deeper level now that I feel like I understand myself more. Mm. Um, and something as simple as like now, whenever I'm given the choice, I'll always pick a female avatar if I'm given the choice. And that is such a small thing, but there's so much empowerment in that. Mm -hmm. um, now, as where I got my name, um, it's funny that one of my favorite uh, game series is Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem Three Houses is a game that I absolutely adore. I have more than 1,000 hours in it. Like, that wow. is how much I love that game. Yes, it's so important to me. Mm -hmm. And when I was trying to come up with a name, I didn't really know what to do. And I was just playing some Smash Bros with a friend once and they grabbed an assist trophy and the Fire Emblem character Lin popped up. And Lin is not a character I'm actually that familiar with because I haven't played the game they're in. But seeing them and just thinking, oh, Lin, that's a really nice name. And then I just decided I would go with that. 
So it's wow. kind of funny that like my, my identity and how I refer to myself now and really conceptualize myself is kind of aided along by like the, by one of my favorite game series of all time. Yeah. And that she popped up out of nowhere and you didn't already know her, but it sounds like you wanted to get to know her to be able to look at yourself in that way to say, I'm still someone I'm getting to know. And I want to know this person. I like this person, but there's a lot of undiscovered and uncharted territory for this person. So let's do it is so heartwarming. Yeah, it, it is funny. Like I'm, I'm only really familiar about Lynn from smash because they've been in assist trophy for a while mm-hmm. and I know how they work and I've known their name and I just, don't really think about them that much because I, I'm not I'm not even sure which game she's from. It's one of the older ones, and it, yeah. it was it was a game that uh, came before uh, Radiant Dawn, which was my introduction to the game. Was that um, the GameCube one? That was that was Path of Radiance. The, oh. the um, <laughs> Radiant Dawn is the follow up that is on the Wii. Right. You could see why I would. That that oh, almost yeah. seems like a prank. Like they're trying yeah. to trick me that they named them that way. I'm blanking, but I have this feeling that Lynn originated on the Game Boy Advance, but I'm not 100% sure. It's that green hair, if I remember yeah. Lynn correctly, that really like spoke to like, we're in color now. This mm-hmm. is awesome. But uh, I could be 100% wrong about that. Well, Lynn, we're running out of time. These Zoom calls self-destruct after a certain amount of time, but I want to make sure that there's anything else you wanted to talk about, any specific games, any specific ideas, or just plug yourself out there. wanted to Um, make sure you had the chance to. Yeah, I'll just say again, Lynn, a.k.a. Blippry, that's B-L-P-R-Y, is what I use as my TikTok. I do technically have a Twitter, but just to like pull the curtain back a little bit, I did make that account for the sole purpose of being able to DM you so we can set up this call. (laughs) Um, And I do have a Twitch account. Um, I very rarely stream. It's a once in a blue moon kind of thing. But if you're interested in that, you can follow me and who knows, maybe I'll do that more in the future. Uh, As for things to plug, I would really, uh, games to plug, I would really say again, Three Houses is a phenomenal game it's a huge time investment there's four different storylines and each one of them can take easily over 80 hours but i absolutely adore that game i am a big edelgard stand that's the black eagles route i could talk about how i feel like she's the most correct character out of that cast and like following her is the correct decision we'd probably need to schedule another call to get into that because it is a really deep conversation that i love to have Mm. Uh, but if you have not played three houses i am telling the listeners now go play that as soon as possible it's it's got an easy mode you can turn off permadeath that's like a big thing of the fire emblem series is losing your units permanently you can turn that off if it's too stressful Mm -hmm. and you really just enjoy being in that world and interacting with a massive and just wonderful cast of characters it's a great world it's a great story i love it so much for people who don't know it's a Turn-based military strategy, if I remember correctly. Oh, yes. Sword and sorcery sort of deal. Uh, Yeah, it's kind of like medieval chess. That's right. That's right. But they made a, is it more of a sequel or a prequel? The the Musu one, the warrior style. Oh, yeah. Three Hopes. That's, um, it's a spinoff and kind of an alternate universe where the uh, events are different. Oh. Um, That one's not got good writing. (laughs) (laughs) 
So you aren't, and this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately for whatever reason, people who just die hard love everything with a certain brand on it. That's mm -hmm. not you. It's got to be good. Even though it's yeah. the same characters and the same world, you weren't yeah. a, as wild about three, three hopes, three hopes. Yes. Good to know. I did play it. It's a fun game. The gameplay is really good. The writing is not. The game gets a lot better. I was actually replaying that uh, not too long ago, and I was skipping all of the cutscenes. And you know what? That makes the game a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bummer. Good to know. Good advice, but also sad news. And that's a, a great recommendation. Of course, milk inside a bag of milk inside a bag of milk. And that goes on for a while, right? That's not, there's not just three of those in the title of the game. Uh, yeah, milk inside a bag of milk inside a bag of milk. That's the full title. Yeah. Oh, for some reason, I thought it went on forever, like that one Fiona Apple album. Uh, no. And as, as I said, Fiona Apple, I stuttered a little bit because that was another person that you're, you're not going to know who that is. It's like 20 years no ago. No idea who that is. <laughs> <laughs> I always mix her up with Sharon Apple from Macross Plus. That's my favorite Apple diva, but it's just me. Uh, enough about me, though. Anything else you want to say before we, we sign off? Oh, I would just uh, like to say uh, that... Your, show, your other show, I mentioned this, that I was an avid listener of Boston's Favorite Son, which just in case any of my friends are listening, do not listen to that podcast. <laughs> it's terrible, but it means a lot to me. Oh. Um, when we were at the height of the pandemic um, in 2019, and I was kind of isolated from my friend, one of those episodes actually came out on my birthday. And I remember that very fondly. It just brought up such a big smile to my face. So... Uh, I hope you let your uh, co-hosts know that that show, it, it's its a terrible show, but it means a lot to me. <laughs> I love that you acknowledge its terribleness because I sometimes worry that people don't actually know it's terrible. But <laughs> when, you, when you know it and you love it anyway, that's all the more meaningful. And I am hopefully going to record another one of those relatively soon. So I will have the opportunity to tell my co-hosts that you felt that way. And Lynn, thanks so much for being on this show. Yes, I would love to come back at any time if you'd like me. And maybe I could talk about more about Three Houses and dig into that game a bit more. because And get out I, of the darn I, library. Yeah, hopefully I have internet and then we can talk about that because I'm always down to talk about that. <laughs> Sounds great. Thank you so much, Lynn. Thank you, Jonathan. So fun to have Lynn on, so hopeful for Lynn and Lynn's TikToks and all Lynn's experiments with expressing oneself and trying to keep it diverse and keep it real. I'm suddenly getting emotional about it. <laughs> Choked up. It was a burp I was trying to keep down. And I'm looking at this G Fuel. It's so weird. We have G Fuel we're going to review later it's on a, the show. a product review it's episode? A, it's a, I'm Woo. giving a little foreshadowing, a little bit of prequeling of this G Fuel review. One of the flavors is Yuzu Slash. No sugar, no calories, no caffeine, but maybe lead, as it turns out, from reading the warning. And this one is flavored like... 
PewDiePie. PewDiePie. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Actually on here. We can't do too much of a preview of this. I, I was know, gonna say. I know you're excited to say more, but because Lynn and I talked about, oh, I want Lynn to be the next PewDiePie, this could be Lynn on the G Fuel someday, okay. along with Crash Bandicoot and a Pokemon. And uh, Spider-Man, too. Yeah. They've all so got G-Fuels now. We're going to hit the review later? Yeah, I think at the, okay. end of, the end of the show. Strange, on TikTok right now, there's this popular trend called Skibbity, which... Uh, <laughs> did You've a, seen my did a deep, deep sigh. Deep sigh, my hesitation, my turn away. My, yeah. Uh, yeah. We won't talk about it for very long, but it's making, I'm guessing, millions of dollars a month for the creator who is named Da Fuck Boom, I believe? Yeah. Da Fuck Boom. He wants to make a toilet and he wants a head to come out of that toilet and make weird faces and have a fight. My understanding too is he's using animation software that's from 2010 or before? I don't think it's the most advanced stuff and he's using character models, I believe, from Valve games like Half-Life and uh, maybe Counter-Strike. Yeah, so he's using old, like, PS3 quality or PS2 quality character models. He's using old animation. It's not high-tech, and it's not something anyone would have ever guessed would be the next big thing, but it's all over the place. Kids YouTube is copying it constantly, making, like, custom Minecraft mods with skibbities in it, which are heads coming out of toilets. That's, frankly, it's terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, you you hate the skibbity, I think. Um, first, I was curious. I was like, I've seen other animation where people do weird shit like that. And I'm like, I get it. People are looking for something weird, something you might see in a Radiohead video. Mm. Uh, but this one took it to a place that made me uncomfortable. Like beyond Aphex Twin? Yeah. Like worse than Come to Daddy? I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's pretty extreme. Another thing people are very excited about, Baldur's Gate 3, a game I thought came out, but it's saying it's still coming out. Shows what I know. It's uh, based on Dungeons & Dragons, which is somehow hotter than ever all of a sudden. I was reading an article on how to be a good dungeon master, saying even if somebody does a bad roll when they're attacking an ogre and they needed to get 15 in order to beat the ogre and they only get a three don't just say you failed say like you comically tripped on a rock and like flipped over backwards and tickled the ogre's belly and it giggled but you did no damage you know come up with something you gotta keep coming up with story for people and that's what dungeons and dragons is all about is a never-ending story that seems to tell itself for you forever Baldur's Gate 3 is telling the story of a druid turning into a bear and having sex with a man. And as a squirrel watches. And drops its nut. (laughs) It does. It's uh, shocking that this is what people are now saying is a fun, funny thing. This is not how video games were even 10 years ago. The bear fuck scene was not what people were saying, hey everyone. I, I like just, that sex with bears. Let's let's back it up here. Yes. It was sensual. It was. <laughs> I thought you were going to say consensual <laughs> because people worry about anything that even looks like bestiality, and as they should, since it's a person dressed like a bear or a person. It's, it's not a person dressed like a bear. Well, it's, it's a just bear. their outside. It's their skin. They, on the inside, they're a person. They, I don't got know the about. Brain I think of they're a person. Parts are all bare in that moment. The parts are all bare, but are we 
just our parts. <laughs> you know? Are we the sum of our parts? Are we the sum of our... Oh, you know what else rhymes with sum? Are we the... Of our parts. It's a sex word. Oh. You know it? No. <laughs> you, you looked away as if you were not telling the truth. I don't know. All I know is it was a sexy bear man scene. You liked it? No. <laughs> the bear smiles like a human smile. Yeah. I mean, so it's a furry type situation, I think. it's. I feel like it's trying to appeal to that side. But it's more than furries. Like people who don't get turned on by the bear having sex with a person just love the pure indiscretion of it. The fact that it's doing something that a game has never done before, pushing boundaries and showing like we're all weirdos. Like that's what makes things big these days. I think Skibbity does it too. Skibbity, just in case you were wondering, I've analyzed it. I've come up with the explanation as to why it's popular. Everyone thinks the world is either shit people, like mm -hmm. just a head in a toilet with no real body. We're just worthless brains floating around in shit world. Mm -hmm. This is how it feels when you're online a lot. And the other thing the Skibbities fight are people with cameras for heads. So there's the observer, the documenter of what's going on in the world and then there's the shit. rest of us which are the shit yeah so you're one or the other and you're in constant combat there so it, uh, there's always something that makes things resonate for people and when it comes to the bear sex i think it's because people are like we're all weirdos let's accept it in fact let's broadcast it i think too what my sense is that I feel like we've talked about this in the past that people it's like an escapism thing that you could be somebody else and have connections mm. and you know oh, sure. have people love want... and but not have to be you mm. so whether or not you're a sexy elf or a ravaging dwarf i don't know <laughs> I don't ravishing know. or ravaging or both? ravaging ravaging I, that's where i was going and with ravishing it. yeah yeah or or just like a a, a loving tender sexual bear it's <laughs> the, the, so, the feel I got from that bear. I, what I'm taking from what sensual. you're saying is essential. It, it smiles sexually and sensually. And it seems more romantic than like rough. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's cuddly. Uh, what I'm getting from what you're saying is that the fact that it's so different from real life that makes it a fun escape. That you get to completely distance yourself from the terrors and horrors of real relationships. All of the pain like and fear... I'm in love with a, what is it, a druid? And and today they're going to be a bear. Tomorrow they're going to be a butterfly. I don't know. They can do that. They can yeah. flutter on your butter. They can yeah. flap their wings right on your gen <laughs> genitalia, on the gentlest parts, on the most sensitive parts. Yeah, I'm just realizing there's this new movie, Nimona, that's got very similar themes. But we're not going to get into that now because we got to kick it over to our next guest, and this time it's Quinn. All right, Quinn. It's Quinn talking Pikmin, red, green, blue, yellow. It's Quinn talking Pikmin, ice glow, rock wing. It's Quinn. I'm here with Quinn. Uh, as I know, Q27. Am I just dreaming that, or is that how I know you, Quinn? That is correct. I've known you for how many years? I feel like we've been tweeting at each other off and on for a dog's age. Over a decade. 
it's, it's, it's consuming your content for over that. <laughs> My goodness, Quinn, it's so great to actually converse with you uh, vocally here in yeah. you and you here and me at the same time. We were small talking before I hit record a little bit about how Gizmondo just published its first AI produced article. And it's a it's a chronological order of the Star Wars movies, which you could just Google. But instead, Gizmondo posted it as a post for ads. And it's just incorrect. <laughs> it's just got it all out of order. I mean, do you know the state of articles on the Internet at this point where it's like, hey, where's this one item in this game? They'll get a whole article. It's like the Elden Ring series, which is known for its difficulties and blah, blah, blah. And then this is halfway down the article, the one little very specific thing that people are going to Google. So we'll have an AI write article about that one specific thing. Quinn, I got to tell you, somebody who's been blogging in these blogs for over 15 years, I don't know if people know that when a game comes out that is well marketed and everyone likes it anyway, the blog can live for a little bit because it just only writes about that game and people actually read the blog. And then when Elden Ring is not popular anymore uh, or it's just not as hot, it's not as Googled, then just no one reads the blog. There was a big expose about how all these blogs are having layoffs now because all the money they were making from Elden Ring is now gone. So they just don't have money to pay people to write about video games. It's a, it's a tough world out there, Quinn. Yeah. Who was I thinking of specifically that one of those writer places, uh, one of the places upon the, one of the places where the writing happens. Yes. Where they just fired (laughs) half the staff suddenly. And they were just like, we're just doing, we're going to focus on strategy, whatever you want to call it tips and how to get through games it's just oh. blatantly that direction yeah i know it's it's sad uh, and it's out of desperation i just want the listeners to know people who are just doing desperate blogs to get anyone to read them doing something about elden ring just so somebody reads it it's not because they're sitting on their fat cat stacks of cash like scrooge mcduck they're just barely making rent some of them are getting paid 300 dollars a month to blog hard every day about Elden Ring. It's not not a job I would choose. I do it for fun on the side. There's a reason why I'm not a full-timer. It is it is rough out there for the, the people that made it their living. Right. And that's the thing with you, I think about. As I look at you as someone I've consumed content of for over a decade. Yeah. And how you have your day job, and yeah. then you have your passion, and you do both. And that being the gist of, as I've been struggling with myself for many years and getting yeah. back on my feet in my mind it has been do what i love but also money but also maybe money love and also maybe doing not love so it's the idea yeah. that that creative endeavors out there that could just be what it is and doing it for the, the passion and that's just been something where i'm like that's the way because oh. the way the state of this all that could be very discouraging so it's watching people like you. I know the vast array of things you do. It's just like, yeah, that's that's the way. Oh, geez, Quinn, that means the world to me. It's both encouraging and discouraging. You have every right to be discouraged. I'm discouraged too. But also you're mildly encouraged that there might be a way to not die and create stuff for fun instead of doing it for money. Because once you do it for money, you often 
don't have fun anymore. At least that's that's what's happened to a lot of people I know. It turns into a rat race. It turns into a, a fight or flight experience instead of a pure power to make things that came out of your brain because you love it experience. That's a that's the more fun one. Oh yeah. And that's being a thing where it's like as I've in my mind had dreams of maybe getting into something with art that would just mm. be an income source. And then realizing over time it things get how they are now and the vastness of the internet and you can find your niche it's like maybe little things can exist and just that's a cool thing i could do yeah it's just it's just that no one has to stick to one thing versatility that's that's the gist yeah versatility and authenticity if you mix them you can have a real wild time out there and i'm gonna try to naturally segue this into a video game talk but i'm not sure how natural it's gonna be but out of all of the Video game franchises that Nintendo has done in the past 20 years or so, the one I think fits the bill of being authentic and versatile, maybe the most, is this Pikmin series, because it's never been big. They keep making them. They've made so many. They've made five retail releases. They made e-reader cards for the Game Boy for it that, that play like a little... Adventures a Lolo style game, except it's Pikmin. When you transferred your Wii to Wii U, I must have missed that back then. Oh yeah, it's Japan only. Most people don't know about it, so don't don't beat yourself up. When you transferred your data from the Wii to Wii U, it's just Pikmin. There, you go to see the Mario movie. There's a Pikmin just in the movie. There's a Pikmin in the Mario movie. Just for a second, they just snuck a little Pikmin. There, there. You go to the Mario amusement park thing they got going at universal there's secret pikmin there like miyamoto secret mickey's type of thing right like disney does except mickey is very popular and was was the was the icon for the whole studio pikmin miyamoto has just forced people to think about it even at potential loss they made pikmin short movies for the wii u and the 3ds I so remember, it's, I remember downloading those on 3ds they actually had the 3d effect on me then i think they spent the money on it there, yeah. there was not a, a huge potential of return on investment there but they went for it and now pikmin 4 is coming quinn enough out of me what do you think of pikmin 4 so far from the demo well as you thought you couldn't really wrangle a good segue out of that i was already in my head on the versatility in that game being mm. such an interesting factor now, you're playing the full game now, aren't you? No, I'm not. I, I did not seek that one out for review. I could have been pushier about it. But instead, I'm reviewing the new Puzzle Bobble game with my 83-year-old mother, which will be uh, not as hot a review, but it'll be fun. Yeah, that's Nintendo Force you're talking about there? Yeah, Nintendo Force. That's where I do most of the reviews these days. But uh, the Pikmin 4 demo, my understanding, it is the full game they've data mined it and found out a bunch of stuff about it that i won't spoil on this podcast but it's got a lot of content there and you can knew you would know more than i would about it (laughs) oh yeah who knows what i know but pikmin 4 the demo gives you enough i felt anyway especially if you don't get all the treasures and do some extra stuff beyond the point you can stress that demo out yeah you really can you really can so uh what's your experience been with it what do you think the story's never been that deep in those games, but the idea that it's like a just a retcon revision, mildly reboot-esque thing, mm-hmm. and have Olimar had some interactions with a dog-like creature when he was trying to rebuild his spaceship. 
So it's like a riff on the first game, but then also it's that there's treasure hunters coming to the place because of his distress signal and just finding random people out in the world. You creating your own character is such an exciting thing. Mm. And it's also cute to see that there's no gender differential in terms of the dialogue. It is a matter of faces you choose. And also it's kind of cute how it's like, Olimar head, Louis head, Brittany head, or Charlie slash the president head. Mm-hmm. Which are just like the various types of humanoid people that have existed throughout the series. And I just, I love character creation. So that part I loved. But yeah, with a dog, it's like, just to get in, like, there's so what it, they're implying with the upgrades and everything. It's really wild. It's like you can just control the dog and call Pikmin and throw him at enemies as a dog. It's, and then you can choose to fight him as the dog. It's like he's a Pikmin and he's also like a captain. And just the, that versatility being such a new big change, it feels. And it's like that they're just going in a different direction and trying something new. Mm-hmm. And they're going back to that Pikmin 2 cave stuff, which was one of the most exciting factors in that game, because it's like you're on a time limit throughout the series and it can be, you know, kind of stressful once you jump in a cave. And I think in two, it was you had no time change at all when you went mm-hmm. to And now four, it's one six speed is the clock going in the background. But just that whole like trying to maximize your day and them talking about like a Dandori, which I believe may just be like a ethic of a sort in Japanese culture that Mm. gives us like maximum efficiency to get your job done and it's always been what Pikmin's about and that like it's just interesting to have new tools to be more efficient and it's fun having this cute pooch to hang out with with your own created character and the cast of characters it's just it has such a different feeling that but it's like really exciting that they're actually trying something more unique than they have in the past I would argue I'm so glad I just let you go you summed it up so well. I, you had much, much more profound and uh, in-depth thoughts than I had about it. I, I personally was a little put off because I'm old. And when they introduced the dog, and the dog is, as you said, capable of so much, more than the captains were in the prior games, and more than the Pikmin are. So it almost felt like the dog was the star of the game. Like, I, I, I felt like then the game should be named after the dog. And at first I was, I don't want to say disappointed, but uh, I was unsure how to feel about it because when I go into Pikmin games, I want to see the new Pikmin. I want to see what they can do. And instead the dog truly steals the show. That said, if you keep playing the demo far enough to try to get the blue onion, you can't just rely on the dog. They showed me that the first hour and a half or so showing off that dog and you're right cute pooch and weird body horror stuff going on with the villain maybe who also has a dog that's a bigger dog so it's like whose dog's bigger your dog or my dog a little bit of that feeling mixed with maybe some body snatchers slash john carpenter's the thing but pikmin stuff Uh, very intrigued to see where that goes But I'm pretty confident that in the long run, it's going to be the best of all worlds. You're going to get all this new dog stuff. You're going to get plenty of classic Pikmin things to do. As you said, you're going to have the underground dungeons, which add a roguelike stress to the game. And Pikmin 2 did that roguelike stuff before Spelunky and before Binding of Isaac did with the randomized survival in the dungeons. Truly scary underneath there in Pikmin 2 when a giant blob ghost with rollers 
attached to its weird appendages just runs over all your Pikmin. And then a, then a Gatling Gronk, which I think is a goldfish with a Gatling gun, comes out, just mows them down. Do you remember all this stuff from Pikmin 2, Quinn, or am I just dreaming that? Well, literally yesterday, I was hanging out with a friend and she is playing through Pikmin 2, new play control, by the way. The mm. one to put on the Wii with the motion controls that probably some of the best controls of any game ever. But I came over to her as we played the challenge mode in that. And the Gatling Gronk, remembering how that thing just like shoots like artillery rounds basically at your Pikmin and just the chaos of the undergrounds where like sometimes you're just on a metal platform and there's just an abyss. And so you don't want to miss aim a Pikmin throw. And they just would add tension the whole time. And the idea that whatever Pikmin you had will stand there, you can't get more unless you find more. Right. There's just that mechanic. It just was so exciting in that game. And for that to come back alone, I was just super hyped. And then this wow. dog thing is, sure, why not? But it seems like he's, he's growing. He's learning new abilities. And you talk about this body horror enemy. Like, yeah, this idea that we're seeing some space dude with fuzzy hair, except for his, it looks like Olimar with a nose, but he's like a red Pikmin with a leaf. And that his dog has a leaf. And so it's like, what is even happening? And that somehow is like very intriguing to me. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's uh, it's cute. And if it was just a new horror game, I'd be like, yeah, sure. I've seen that before. But since it leads you with the cuteness, leads you with, oh, new puppy, leads you with, hey, you can customize your own character. And I, as you said, I love that both race and gender are just not talked about, but you just choose the look that most suits you for your character. So it's got all this inviting, welcoming warmth to it. And then it's like, and also maybe the Pikmin are parasitic creatures that are inside of Olimar and his dog and controlling their minds. And it, like <laughs> the, the whole time you've always thought of Pikmin as these helpers, but you don't know why they follow you. You don't know what they're thinking. They might just be like creepy hive mind jerks that can infect you and turn on you. Like they like their intent is to look as if they follow a creature and help the creature. And eventually that creature may, you know, not do so well. The yeah. bad of Pikmin 1 being Olimar running out of oxygen and they grab him, they bring him to their onion. He gets sucked up and gets shot out as a Pikmin and him hybrid. So it's kind of like, is this like a timeline variance in a way of, it's clearly retconning the old plot, but is it now like, what if Alamar failed and that happened? And what would that mean? Wacky shit. My jaw is literally dropped. Nobody drops my jaw, Quinn. I'm unshockable. I'm go <laughs> almost 50 years old. I've seen it all. But I think you're absolutely right. I think without meaning to, you're not spoiling it because it's not confirmed. But your theory that... What happened is those Pikmin grabbed Olimar, shot him up into the onion. For those who haven't played it in the demo, that's what Olimar does. He grabs other crewmates that have been knocked unconscious and you're trying to rescue them. He grabs them and tries to shoot them into the onion to turn them into, I think they're calling them leaflings. It's uh, it's terrifying and exciting. I can't, I can't wait to play the game, Quinn. You psyched me up so hard. I can't wait to buy it now. Yeah, that demo, I was surprised how long it is. And like that, I knew there was some variance to like, don't collect all the treasure, you can find more. And that now I got those details. Now that's all in my head. The hype is just whew, way up. <laughs> and so, I did, yeah. I wasn't sure I'd be excited because Pikmin is a series that up until now, there have been changes. But for me, anyway, Pikmin 3 was 
very much a return to form for Pikmin 1. It actually undid some of the right. new Pikmin 2. But Pikmin 4 looks like it's going to catapult into whole new directions. And I wonder, do you think this will be the one that's finally like a medium for a, a company Nintendo size anyway hit? Like Metroid Dread was the first Metroid to really do pretty big numbers. Uh, Metroid's always kind of kicked around at a, a million or so sold, but Metroid Dread pretty quickly became the, the best-selling one ever. Do you think Pikmin 4 could be that for Pikmin? Absolutely. I mean, we're looking at the Switch and like the games on Switch, they're the best performance in their series history with like with Pokemon. And that's all despite the half-facetedness of the most recent Pokemon, but just they are making all the money on the Switch. And I just believe that this game, if they promote it right, they're just that game's gonna. I'm just very hopeful for the future of the series now. Mm. I mean, you now play Pikmin one, two, and three, and soon enough, four all on Switch. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like they're pushing it, they're doing what they can to get that series. Or you say Miyamoto, I do think of it like a Miyamoto thing, like that's mm-hmm. his little pet series that he wants it to be a bigger thing. It's just very exciting to see that the old series get their representation over time. Mm. Yeah, they they never gave up on it, the Pikmin. The only thing I'm concerned about with the future is there are now going to be nine kinds of Pikmin. Red, yellow, blue, purple, white, flying rock, which is pink and gray in, in my brain. Now ice, light blue, and green, the glow Pikmin, who are like ghosts. I'm almost glad that the dog is sort of the 10th Pikmin and it's the focus because keeping all those colors straight is is potentially going to be difficult. What do you think? How could they continue to expand the Pikmin series and keep coming up with new Pikmin types, but still keep it so it's not, oh, I don't want to say confusing, but to have a lot of different options for Pikmin, but a relatively small world to work with them, I think it's sort of tricky. I feel like they need to expand the breadth of the world as well uh, in order to make it fit for the breadth of the different kinds of Pikmin. That's my opinion, but do you have any off-the-cuff thoughts about where you want to see the series go after this? Well, my thing, simply with the idea of more Pikmin, there's the idea that the the green ones, they're only at night, and Mm -hmm. that whole at-night thing, is that even at all accessible in the demo? No, no, it's not, so we don't know yet. And it's like, maybe there's going to even be multiple types of night-exclusive Pikmin. And like there's in the direct they showed you like aiming at an enemy with the white Pikmin and they all come out glowing orb to be shot at an enemy. So like that's a very different feeling to the combat. But the big thing to me is that the caves, they recommend what Pikmin should you bring? And every time you go to one, even if you're running around with that various Pikmin, you re-choose what you want to bring in. Then they'll automatically go back to the onion so that they say, bring these types so you know, okay, you need these type here. And that way, it's like you get specific situations where you'll use the specific ones, and it's kind of a choice thing. And maybe when certain other pigments come into the mix, or certain ones you bring anyway, or maybe against their advice, and that might be trickier. Mm. And it's just, yeah, there's. It seems like by them saying these are the ones you should bring, it ends up giving you situations where you'll have to use certain pigment. That's genius. So yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm yelling about how much I love your ideas so much. But I, I just finished, or so to speak, I, I beat the last boss of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. And for me... Spoilers. <laughs> I will just say that the thing I like most about that game 
is it is a Breath of the Wild sequel overlapped with a Skyward Sword sequel at the same time. And you can play it mostly as one or mostly as the other or both if you want to. And what you're describing in a new Pikmin direction and maybe what Pikmin 4 will do is you can play like some levels will just be like the three from Pikmin 1. Other levels, you can do like the Pikmin 3 Pikmin. It's all the different games potentially overlapping, but going in one direction and focusing on one style of play for a little bit, and then going in another. So you're getting, in a sense, multiple Pikmin games in one. It is, it is you solved the problem. Quinn, you came in with the inspirational words, and then you explained the magic of the Pikmin 4 demo in a way that filled my heart with joy. Then you dropped my jaw talking about your fan theory about what happened to Olimar, and now you're making me come alive with excitement for where Pikmin could go. Quinn, how do you do it? Optimism, like like undeterred optimism. <laughs> it's working. I, it, it's my fatal flaw. It, it's making I you like live, and it'll kill you at the same time. It's, it's such a pro and con at the same time, that optimism. But I, for one, am so glad you have it. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> This was, there's a little other things. There was like, you get mission objectives. And it's like, mm. do all the leveling up of your dog thingy, Ochi, or get all the gear. So it's almost like you have quests, but then there's also side quests. So it's like trying to make it feel almost open world. Mm-hmm. Which they may not, they may pull in their cards or whatever you say it. And that it's going to, with the whole day to night thing, is that going to be like, you're running around. And it's like, okay, if you're going to stay out, put all your regular Pikmin away. And is it like you just keep running around and persisting in the same area? Like, I'm just, where are they going with this? It's very exciting. Just can't believe the series is back. It's been over a decade since the original third one came out. Mm-hmm. The hype this year. I could talk about whew, everything. Resident Evil 4 remake. That, oh, yeah. I adored it. I adored it. Favorite game of all time. And that remake did so many things that I wanted from that. I didn't care to get a remake when I heard it was announced. But man. It's the year, the year of hype for me. So many exciting series returning and doing new things. And yeah, that's great, Quinn. Quinn, we're almost out of time. If there's anything you want to say for parting words, you can feel free to say them. And if not, we'll just make sure your Twitter is linked in the show notes for this episode. And and thank you for being on the show. Yeah, it's nice having me on your show. It's nice to speak to you for the first time. As I've said, you are you're one of the best in the business as far as I'm concerned of the internet people that i'm a fan of you're like that number one and just yeah gosh (laughs) thanks quinn the feeling's mutual thanks so much for being on yeah totally Quinn's passion for Pikmin makes me feel like everything is finally going to be okay. That after Pikmin 4 comes out, somehow it's going to fix all the world's problems and people are going to stop being so bad. I hope so. But it doesn't look like that's necessarily the case because Bobby Kotick, Activision Blizzard CEO. What a douche, He said he was, I know, awful, terrible allegations of things that he's done. And even if the allegations are things you don't know about, just the things he said, the way he runs the business, so predatory and awful, and really 
only interested in his own money and power, just the worst of what people have to offer. He appeared in a music video for the White Party from, what is it called, Elite Productions? It's just somebody hiring a freaking professional celebrity A-list camera crew to their party where they brag about how rich they are that only certain people go and they all wear white like assholes. They all wore white. Like if anyone told me, hey, come to my party, but here's how you got to dress. I'd be like, I am not coming to... This doesn't sound like a party. You haven't heard of white parties before? This is a thing for rich people. Why do they choose to all do it? So they can all look superior to other people? Like my clothes don't get dirty? That's the message? Like I'm cleaner than you? I know. It makes no sense. No, I haven't heard of white parties. Not in that. It's a thing. Yeah. It's a dumb rich person thing. Weird. I reflected while watching it. Just another day at my day job, just sitting at my desk hoping to get my coffee and figure out this complex, stressful problem, and there they are doing the white party. Well, they would all claim they work harder than you, which is why they make more money than you. Bobby Kotick would certainly say, I'm I'm worth it. I earned it. I deserve it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, he makes $151 million is what I read. A year, while the president of Nintendo makes two million, despite the fact that Nintendo is making more money than Activision Blizzard these days. If you factor in their games, all sell incredibly well. They're selling their own console. They're making money off of the most profitable movie of the year. I think the Mario movie made a billion dollars. So they're even though Activision Blizzard is no slouch, Nintendo is beating them. While their top person makes around. 1% of what Bobby Kotick does. There's just no logic to it. There's no rhyme or reason. Nothing is fair and nothing makes sense. Let's drink some G Fuel. Okay. Do you want to do a product review? I do, I do, I want to do a product review. I do, 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 I do. So we got some G Fuel in the mail, and Tanya's got a very sensitive system. She has got some things going on. I'm under doctor's advisement not to have some of the products that are listed on the ingredients list. Yeah, I especially asked the G Fuel folks who are so kind to send this to us. And it's okay. these little tubs. It's amazing. This is a maybe. So they came straight to my house, and Jonathan was like, "Check your mail. You've got tubs." <laughs> but like, they're so right. small. They're three inches tall, but they make thirty servings each because the scoops are so small. They're this hyper concentrated. It's so intense, and we got the sugar-free, calorie-free, caffeine-free version, which I thought would be good for Tanya. Nope. Because there's a warning that says consuming this product can expose you to chemicals including lead, which is known in the state of California to cause health. Is that the word health? Do you need support? Oh, it's completely. There's no word I can read less than that. Oh, wow. No, no way. Birth. Birth defects. It's a kind of health and other reproductive harm. For more information, go to www. You all should see Jonathan trying something. to read this right now. You know I've got impeccable vision. Do you I want could... to read the bottom, the, the URL? It is oh, quite that small. Oh, is, that is bad. <laughs> 
Um, we'll put the URL. www.p65warnings.ca.gov slash food, forward slash food. P65. P65. What that is? Oh, we're gonna find out. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Not that they're the well, so, source of truth. So the, the, my understanding is G Fuel, and I haven't read the whole website, so forgive me. Says that G Fuel will do certain things for you, and then the warning below the other warning says, "We don't know if G Fuel actually does these things for you." The FDA doesn't say that. We're just saying, hey, maybe it's good for you. Just FYI, some of the good things that might be in it, besides the risk of lead um, and other chemicals, um, it does have a fair amount of vitamin C, Mm -hmm. you know, a good amount of vitamin D, vitamin E, vitamin B6, B12, biotin, magnesium, a little bit of mag, some zinc. Um, (laughs) If you need a little sodium, just a tiny... teensy bit of that so uh, people probably already know what g fuel is but just in case you don't and you're just curious about why do people love this stuff so much that they'll risk drinking the lead it is an electrolytes focus in vitamins it says on the front tanya was pointing out to me it is like brain fuel which we reviewed forever ago g fuel is the preeminent drink of the gamers this one, Yuzu Slash, has PewDiePie on it as some sort of warrior with a big Raiden-style hat on. We've also got some Pokemon-flavored one. Yeah. Shiny Splash. The Pokemon is willing to lend the license here. We've got Spider-Verse, Across the Spider-Verse, exclusively in theaters. Look Strawberry, guava, guava, coconut. Yeah. So all of these big names are willing to lend their IP, their intellectual property, to G Fuel so you'd think it better be good. I've never drank G Fuel all my years in this world. I'm uh, going to do sniff tests and Jonathan's going to do sip tests. That's right. We're starting Should off I with s- Shiny Splash. Shall I sniff first? You sniff first. Shiny yeah. Splash. It's blue. It smells light and citrus and bright. Yeah. It looks like a Pepsi blue. I wish I could have a taste. but You cannot. Here we go. Oh, that's strong. maybe we we didn't when i looked at the side it said 12 to 16 ounces of water i I did good i measured it good okay i did good okay do you want to hold on your review until after you've tried no no i will tell you it is intensely sweet smarty party in your mouth wow it does taste a bit like pepsi blue i don't know if they have that formula i still have a bottle of pepsi flu in my mom's is this like from is this from like 1997 it or is something? actually and it's in your mom's fridge I, it is yes wow it, the the bottle has changed shape strangely uh it's <laughs> never been surprised. opened though so this is the whoa smell this one that one i don't know that i love the smell this is the strawberry guava coconut smells like sweet but not refreshing to me the spider-man flavored one is but that right it's, yeah it's it's a reddish kool-aid color he took like a big sip i'm loving it oh i'll drink the spider-man one all day not as sweet maybe because you mixed this one oh i did a better job remember i i said let me put a little little, little more water in there yeah Yeah. it smells like it wouldn't be my favorite but jonathan's slamming it oh yeah just a hint of coconut it's it's classy it's downright classy i could see people who drink alcohol mixing that with vodka and and having a cocktail spider-man flavored vodka cocktail and uh, it would be the toast of the town 
I could see people Jonathan's like, impressing so their I'm, date. I'm gonna. This is my new beverage. <laughs> well, you yeah, we've dr- got you these. You don't really tubs. drink, though. Uh, alcohol? Yeah. Not so often, no. Uh, oh, uh, sorry. There's a little this? ASMR. Yeah. Yeah. I'm taking off. And G Fuel also sent us these amazing mugs. Yep. One plastic a, one. Which here's is, here's the metal one. A little ASMR for you there. You're Jonathan it. hates it so much. You do. And then the plastic one is uh, <laughs> right there. I don't know why you would do that. But you did On a that podcast? Yeah, you did it yeah. for him. This is the PewDiePie favorite one. It smells sweaty. He's a sweaty <laughs> oh, guy. You made me laugh so I couldn't inhale the scent. I like it. I yeah. think that one smells like probably would be my favorite. I can't smell it at all. Can you describe the smell? Oh, it almost smells like it might be. This one uh, This one is the shiny splash. I think this is the 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 PewDiePie one. PewDiePie one. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. No. You're looking at the Pokemon one. No. PewDiePie had it do a fruit Oh, it's of the Yuzu. Love. Yeah, it's this one. You're right. Yeah, he loves this Yuzu fruit, I guess, that PewDiePie. I don't know. It smells like a softer taste, maybe. Like a, some sort of a passion fruit. Or so many a... different sensations. You are using touch words like soft to describe the smell of the way something might taste. Yeah, like maybe this like a, a passion fruit or synesthesia a... experience. Yeah, I, I like it a little not citrus but a brighter, hmm. softer. Like a mango? Like a mango, yeah. Here we go. Uh it's just weird lemonade. It's just like <laughs> slightly slightly rotten lemonade. <laughs> So uh, oh, I'm so sad I didn't get to find out for myself. But. Yeah, it, it's it, it's lemonade that hurts a little bit, <laughs> but not because it tastes so strong, just because it tastes somewhat wrong. So the one that I think smelled the worst is the best, the strawberry guava coconut. That one is the Spider-Man. Yeah, I would give the Spider-Man one a strong... 8.75. You you loved it. It borders you wanna, on a 9. You could polish it off. I'm going to finish that finish that up. Uh, if you love sweet stuff, get the Pokemon one. They definitely, I think we're thinking kids who have a lot of sugar and can handle it. And, it and of course, there's no sugar in here. But there is vitamins. Yeah. I, I, I wonder, though. The lead thing just gives me pause. I think once you're ready to not reproduce... Or you're not looking to reproduce right now. Uh, drink some of this warning label laden sweet drink. The Pokemon one, I would give a 7.5 to people who don't like things that are sweet. If you love sweet things, you might bump it up to a 9 because it's incredibly sweet. And the PewDiePie one, sorry, it's a it's a 6. It's hard to choose that one for anyone. I think only PewDiePie, true PewDiePie fans... And if you're the kind of person that enjoys PewDiePie's brand of entertainment, maybe you'll also enjoy this drink, because I don't enjoy PewDiePie or the drink, so maybe that's it. Maybe it's just not for me. Hmm. Uh, The drink and the brand go hand in hand, and I'm not the man for that drink. But uh, (laughs) now we know that's the best I could do in this review. Yeah, I mean, the reason why they're touting the focus part is because of the vitamin B12, which you can get... 2,500% 2,500% of in one glass. Can you even, does your brain use more of it? Or does it just pee out the 
after it's 100 percent just well 100 percent on a tub mm. it might not be 100 percent for your bod jonathan we don't we don't know tubs and bods who could tell the difference between these <laughs> days i i have no idea but thank you for the extra b12 facts tanya yeah maybe you're gonna be super focused for the rest of the evening <laughs> should have done this earlier uh no no okay okay <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to another episode of our show, everyone. I don't have anything big to plug. I am working on the next Nintendo Force already. I reviewed Tears of the Kingdom, just a quick second opinion review about that from the perspective of someone who did not like Breath of the Wild all that much. And I'm talking mm. about Legend of Zelda now, in case you didn't know that, that was the topic. <laughs> I'm also going to be reviewing... Well, not reviewing. I'm going to be interviewing some people who've worked on Double Dragon games. So if Fine. you're a Double Dragon fan, you should definitely check it out. It might end up being a double interview, if I can pull that off, to go inside with the Double Dragon theme. Hmm. And uh, Around the time that this show comes out, either a little bit before or around the time, I believe you did a Boston's Favorite Son as well. Oh, sure. You... You know that our listeners enjoy it. You didn't want to leave them out. We did just record a new Boston's Favorite Son. I'm sending the file to Conrad right after we finish recording this. Conrad is not in a rush to get those out, though. Conrad has a billion different projects going on. So who knows with the editing process. I'm predicting it will be... After this? Nine days from today. That is my guess. Nine days. We'll find out. We'll put Conrad to the test. <laughs> that sounded tough. A uh, couple of other like things. Like a bear. <laughs> yeah. Like a, a sensual bear. Like that sex bear test. Uh, I am a weird man in a video game called Lisa the Painful that I get no money from, and it actually depicts me in a really insulting way, and I'm oh. still going to recommend you play it. Oh, you're sad about it. The whole Boston's Favorite Son gang is in it. Stephanie Sterling, Conrad, and I. And we all look terrible, and we <laughs> die. You kill us in the game. So check it out. It's coming out on Switch pretty soon. It's been on Steam forever, but it's finally coming to consoles. I think not just Switch. Pretty darn soon. Arthawk also makes a cameo in the Treachery in Beatdown City update that's coming out. That's on, like, all systems. It's a turn-based fighting game. It's sort of a beat-em-up mixed with strategy, turn-based strategy. Mm. And it's a lot of social commentary, very Mad Magazine-esque, making fun of the powers that be in this world. So Arthawk's in there. Arthawk's in Lunark as well. Arthawk might be in other games too. This is the year of Arthawk, in case you didn't know. Wow. Yeah, Arthawk's happening. And Arthawk's happening now. So check it out. And that's all I got. Tanya, any other parting words from you? I know. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, everyone. You're the best. Hope you come back again, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. Talking to Women About Video Games is hosted by Jonathan and Tanya, with editing and production by Daniel. Music by Jonathan and Daniel. You can support the show and get exclusive bonuses on Patreon at patreon.com slash ttwav. Thanks for listening. The bear, the bear fuck seed 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 the bear fuck seed
the bear fuck scene. Bear sex. The sex word. Bear sex. Bear sex. The sex word. Bear sex. It was sexual. The bear fuck scene. The bear fuck scene. You dropped my jaw. Nobody drops my jaw, Joe. It was sensual. Bear sex. Dropped my jaw. Nobody drops my jaw, Joe. The bear may fuck a 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 Making butter on your butter. Bear sex. Making butter on your butter. Bear sex. Butter on your butter. Bear sex. On your butter, air sex, air sex. A loving, tender, sexual bear. 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 The bear may fuck pussy. 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 The bear may fuck a scene. The bear may fuck a scene. The bear may fuck a scene.